0: This is Authors in Focus. Welcome back to the Authors in Focus podcast. I am very, very excited about today's interview. Kind of a a rare one. Um, We don't get too many graphic novelists on the podcast, especially uh, graphic novelists geared towards, uh, often geared towards younger readers. So I'm uh, pleased to welcome James Burks, author and illustrator of Bird and Squirrel, Agent Nine, and uh, a bunch of other uh, things that we'll talk to him about. How you doing, James? Great, thanks for having me. Oh, glad you could be here. So I usually like to start these uh, interviews off with a couple of fun questions before we get into the other stuff. So my first question is, if you could have a drink with any author, living or dead, who would it be and why?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I would have to say Charles Schultz, because he was a huge inspiration on me. I love the Peanuts comic strip, the early ones like pre-1970. So, I would love to meet Charles Schultz. I don't know what that conversation would be, probably wouldn't be too interesting. I'm sure we're vastly different in terms of, you know, our personalities, but I'll give it a shot.
0: Awesome. I don't like to use the term guilty pleasure because, uh when it comes to media because there's enough uh different stuff out there I think for everybody. But if there was something, I don't know, movies, music, anything that a lot of people would be surprised that you were into, what would that be?
1: Uh, Any media. It can be anything. Anything. Uh, They might be surprised to know that I used to do close-up magic. I was a member of the Magic Castle and a magician for a long time. Oh, wow. That's cool. Awesome. Um,
0: Okay. So I want to, I have a lot of things uh, to discuss with you today. Actually, I, uh, have an eight year old son who um is obsessed with uh you know Dave Pilkey's work, um Dogman, Captain yeah. Underpants, all that stuff. And one time I noticed that he had taken out a couple of the Bird and Squirrel uh graphic novels uh from the the library and I just said, What is this? I've never seen it and he really liked them, so I checked them out. And I don't know, I, I um I'm a comic book fan. I, I come from uh, diverse background of, of reading various comics and graphic novels and, you know, some of my favorites being, uh, the Bone series and, um, Cerebus and Grew the Wanderer. And I, I just found myself, I know it might, the, the intent might have been for younger readers, but I found the humor to be right up my alley and I just found it really funny and really engaging. And I found myself reading these and wanting to, to read the whole set. So that's, that's kind of how I, I came about, uh, your work. So when did you get into writing comics, illustrating comics? You know, what were some of your, you know, you mentioned Charles Schultz and Peanuts, but what were some of your more, um, I guess contemporary, more recent influences that got you into this whole field of, of writing young reader graphic novels?
1: Okay. So this is, uh, I started out in animation. Right. So I have at the, before I started writing graphic novels, I'd probably been working in animation for 10 years, maybe, I think. And so my inspiration, I think, when I started, well, I was working at Disney feature animation at the time. And so I wasn't being creatively challenged in my day job. So I decided I wanted to start writing my own stories. And so I actually started doing a comic strip called Martin's Misdirection. It was an online comic strip about a magician and his talking rabbit. And it was basically like a a weekly or sometimes more, strip that I would post, and I started collecting those when I had enough, and I would sell them at the San Diego Comic-Con, and I did this for about four or five years, and then eventually I got sort of tired of that, and I didn't think it was going to go anywhere, so I wanted to write a longer story, which became my very first book, a shorter version, called Gabby and Gator, which I printed myself. You know, like it was a forty-eight page just black and white book with one sketch on every page, which I took that also to the San Diego Comic Con, was selling it there. One of the people I sold it to was a literary agent. She wanted to take that story and and help me find a bigger audience and get it published properly through a publisher. And so I started working with her. We eventually sold that book into a hundred and it became a hundred and ninety-two page graphic novel, which we sold to Yen Press. And then that sort of kicked off my children's publishing career, which I was never in a million years hoping to, I was never looking to be a children's book author, per se. I just wanted to do my own thing at night while working in animation during the day. And so then from there, it just became like, you know, I liked making these books because I felt like there were many movies in book form where I got to do everything all parts of the process. I got to design the characters, the background, the entire world. And so I just loved that. And so that sort of led me into creating other stories and and doing more graphic novels, mainly geared towards kids. But although I just write, most of my stories are just things I think are funny and they're geared for all ages, which is probably why you liked it. Right.
0: That's actually one of the things that I wanted to ask you. I mean, do you get a lot of of older readers? And and I guess Maybe they, they start off as being parents, of the kids, or they're just graphic novel readers that are older that are commenting, commenting to you um, about how much they, they enjoy the humor in your work. And is that something that's, that's relatively common?
1: I don't think it's super common. I mean, I don't have a huge like adult following in, in a sense, but I know that when parents I hear from a lot of parents who read the books with their kids and they, I think, enjoy them as much as the kids do. And I think that's important. You know, it's like we've all read books to our kids or watch shows with our kids where we think like this is this is horrible or this is some, not something I would watch myself. But if you can entertain the parents and the kids, then you have this great bonding moment with your family. And it's in something I think they will carry on for the rest of their life. You know that I've shared this time with my mom or my dad reading these books and and then, you know, it just goes on from there. Right. And I think literacy is in general is really important.
0: And I think that a lot of, you uh, know, back in the day, people used to sort of trash comics as a medium and say that they weren't real books. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, especially now, uh, a lot of times comics and graphic novels are getting people into reading and getting people into storytelling and creativity. And I think that's really, really important.
1: Oh, I think 100%, you know, like I have a lot of readers, I think part of my work, what makes my work popular with kids is definitely emerging readers, is you can follow this along with the story just by looking at the pictures, you know, and some people, you know, I've heard that from reviews before that like, oh, there are more reviews, there are more words on a prescription bottle than there are in a bird and squirrel book. But that's exactly what kids that are sort of learning to read come into the books and they're like oh I can read this and even when they can't figure out what's being said they can follow along with the pictures. so I have a lot of readers a lot of parents email me saying you know like oh my kid didn't like to read and they found a bird and book and and they love these books and they read them all like in one go and it's the first book they've ever read before
0: right and I mean as well I mean as a writer myself I haven't uh, done too much with my writing yet. I have some some satirical fantasy novels out um, and that I write with a co-writer. Um, one of the things that I think is cool is despite the fact that, you know, they're kind of individual volumes, uh, they do follow, you know, an overarching sort of, you know, story where there's character evolution and new characters come in and, you know, the characters are in a very different place at the beginning of book one than they are in the last book. And like, there's a real emphasis on family that sort of comes out of nowhere, which I think is really cool too, you know, as well as some of the morals I think that, uh, you know, kids could really relate to.
1: Yeah. I think um, that's another important thing for me is like to make, sh- I want the kids or the readers to think that these characters are real. They have real feelings. They, they exist in this world and they, you know, they have troubles and problems and they're trying to get over them just like we are. And so that you feel for the characters and you relate with the characters. And and it's not just a bunch of of silly jokes, although those things are in there. You know, I want them to feel like they're living and breathing on the page and so that you really have a connection with them. Yeah.
0: And there's that whole kind of dichotomy between um, which is something that I think I even kind of relate it. Like I'm the kind of cautious, more introverted person. And my wife is kind of the free spirited. I I can do anything kind of person and there's there's kind of there's a lot of that in there too like you know when you're dealing with like the anxiety of parenting and the anxiety just anxiety and fear of putting yourself out there in general and i think a lot of times kids uh well everybody but but i mean especially kids you know struggle with that kind of thing so it's to be able to read stories where there's two different perspectives is is also really cool
1: yeah, and I think that's, that's something that I personally struggled with and I sort of based both bird and squirrel off of myself. It's like I'm very much a squirrel, you know, I worry about things. I think the worst things in the world are going to happen, but I force myself to be a bird and step out of my comfort zone to try things that I never would have tried before. And usually, you know, 90% of the time I find that they were, it's never as bad as my initial squirrel brain thought that they were going to be. Which is why I started doing magic. You know, I used to be a very shy kid. I got, I was super nervous about being up in front of people and I forced myself when I got into animation to take an improv class, which then I met someone who was doing close up magic and I'm like, Oh, well, I'm going to try magic. So then I sort of forced myself to get up in front of people and do magic for them, which then, you know, just all those things led me sort of to where I am today and just pushing myself to do things that I feel very uncomfortable about, but I always find that it helps me grow as a person and as an artist and so and so. Yeah, I can fully, uh, I can fully relate to that.
0: They, they they say fear of the fear is generally the most powerful emotion as opposed to actually doing it. So I totally understand that. So I wanted to ask you because my son has read all the bird and squirrel books and we were, I mean, probably going to pick them up on Amazon because we were looking in the library and we haven't been able to find them yet. Uh, this is. I'm assuming this is your newest sort of long running project that you're planning on doing a whole bunch of books with.
1: That was the plan. Yeah, that first book came out last March, like right in the middle of the pandemic, so it didn't quite, you know, get the attention that I think that it needed, and so. The second book in that series called Agent 9 Mind Control actually comes out at the end of August, which is coming up pretty soon here. And so we're the publisher and I are both hoping that that'll sort of get the attention that it deserves and drive people back to the first book. And then hopefully that will lead to a long running series like Bird and Squirrel, because I do have lots of ideas for Agent 9 and hopefully they'll get to entertain kids.
0: So tell our audience a little bit about um, Agent 9, what it's all about.
1: So Agent Nine is a super spy cat that basically saves the world from maniacal supervillains. And in the first book, the villain is a character called King Crab, who has this maniacal plan to take over the world by melting the polar ice caps and turning the entire world into a worldwide water park so he can have his own worldwide water park and do his things. And so Agent Nine has to overcome their impulsiveness and actually think things through to eventually defeat King Crab. And King Crab is the ultimate impulsive person where he consistently orders things on the mail, doesn't know how to use them, just buys things online. And so that's sort of the humor with him. And so Agent Nine is part of a super secret spy service or S4, which is run by an orangutan named O. And so at the beginning of the story, Nine is on probation because they've been too... Impulsive and they end up destroying a lot of things in the process of of completing their missions, which they always do successfully, but it ends up costing a lot of money to repair the damage sounds like a lot of fun, yeah I'm looking forward
0: to grabbing that for for my son and definitely uh, reading it when he's finished so you mentioned um, being involved being working for um, Disney feature doing a lot of animation work. how much of that is still where you're at right now? Like, are you predominantly still working on a lot of animation projects and, and, and projects outside of uh, books and graphic novels, or have you, for the most part, switched over?
1: Uh, I sort of weed in and out. I think my goal was to just do the books, but unfortunately, you know, it's tricky sometimes to 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 survive and support a family on just what my books make. And so I always end up getting pulled back into animation. So currently, I'm working at Nickelodeon directing on a new show that'll be out next year called Rock, Paper, Scissors. And so I'm doing that currently. But there was a brief period where I actually had my own show in production at Cartoon Network, a show based on Bird and Squirrel. But unfortunately, due to circumstances of new management and things, it ended up getting the plug pulled on it 13 weeks into actual production. So that was a little traumatic. Oh, cool.
0: So what's your role on Rock, Paper, Scissors?
1: I'm a director or a storyboard director, episodic director. Any of those things are pretty much what I do. So I supervise a couple storyboard artists and, you know, make sure that things are working properly and redraw awesome. stuff as needed sometimes.
0: Awesome. Well, best of luck with that. That sounds awesome. So what takes up most of your time when you're not doing something creative?
1: What takes up my time when I'm not, when I'm right. not working and drawing? When, like when you're not working awesome. or, or writing or. Uh Well, I spend time with my family, but I also like to run and swim and, and bike. So I do a lot. I do some triathlon or I haven't done it recently, but I used to do a lot more of it. Triathlon, running marathons, you know, generally pushing my body as far as I think it can possibly go. And so but the pandemic sort of threw me off track on that. So I'm trying to get back into that groove. And my my next big goal, if I can get there, is to run a 50 mile ultra marathon. Wow what I'm hoping to do, but I'm, I'm a little far away from that at the moment, but I think yeah. I'd get back into shape to get there. I think the pandemic, no matter what effect it had on
0: people, whether it was a, a like a truly negative impact or, or just, um, you know, like for me, uh, I, I think it made a lot of people lazier than they ever would have been. And, and, and kind of in some ways appreciate the slower pace of life. It's kind of strange right. when everything kind of shut down for such a long time, you adapt to kind of a little bit of a new way of life and then things go back to normal. And it's, it's a little bit of a shell shock.
1: Yeah, I think it was hard because I'm very much I like to have things structured and I set these big goals for myself. But when a pandemic pandemic came along, like those goals just sort of like nothing was happening. I couldn't look forward to doing anything because things kept getting canceled or you know, just delayed. And so it was hard for me to gear myself up to do something and to get there and realize like, oh, hey, it's not happening anymore. And just that mental state, eventually you just sort of, you're like, oh, what's the point? And then you sort of get into like laziness or just atrophy, I guess. And so I'm trying to break myself back out of that and get back to like having structure and having big goals that I'm trying to strive for.
0: Yeah, I'm in the exact same place. Have
1: you noticed an upswing?
0: as people have kind of, you know, treated COVID a little bit, like it's just something that'll be there and mass mandates have gone down and public gatherings have increased. Have, have you really, have you noticed uh, a general, you know, energy upswing with that happening?
1: I think slightly, but it still feels like things aren't anywhere close to like a normal thing, you know, cause I'm still like, I, I work from, for Nickelodeon, but I work from home. So I'm not going into the studio to work with other people. I'm just doing a lot of zooming. And so I'm still I spend the majority of my time just in my house. And my wife is even working from home, too. And so and my older son is home working on his own things. And so we're just like it seems like things aren't really back to normal. We're not traveling super lot, but it is nice. Like we're planning on going to Comic-Con this year. So we are getting out slowly and it is very nice to be back out and meeting people. And I've done some school visits. I went to Michigan for a week, which was incredible. It was nice to go and see the kids and talk to them about my books. And, and so it, it is slowly getting back to normal, but it's not quite there yet. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how much of, because uh, I know a lot of people,
0: uh, James Owen, uh, who was uh, kind of a pioneer in the, in the independent self-published graphic novel world um, uh, and turned young adult fantasy writer, uh does all kinds of cons and i know that he uh and you know a lot of speaking appearances he'll he'll speak to kids he'll go to schools and he he does really well with that um before the pandemic how much of a, of a big part of your life was the whole convention scene and did you find that it was a very effective way to network and and sell your products
1: Uh, I mean, I used to when I very first started, I had a table at San Diego Comic-Con every single year. And I did that probably for like 13 years. I was always there, had my whatever books I was selling, I would sell them there. But then after that, I sort of transitioned into just doing school visits or book festivals if I were to get invited to them. And so right before the pandemic, like I was set to go to Indiana for like a four or five days and do visit two schools there. I was going to Seattle for a book festival. I just come back from Northern California, so I had all of these things set up. And then, of course, all those things got canceled. And so now it's just like I'm starting to slowly get back out there. But I, you know, I love going to schools and and being out there and meeting the kids and just getting to hopefully inspire them to try things that are out of their comfort zones and to try to maybe do something creative with their lives that isn't sort of the cookie-cutter, you know, expectation that's put on them like oh you have to do this and you have to go to a four-year college and you have to become a doctor or lawyer or whatever you know there are alternatives to that you know you can be creative and try different things and so forth yeah
0: no i think that's that's really inspiring and i definitely think that um kids need that i mean my son uh has thrived uh he struggled a little bit with with uh online school during the pandemic after Uh, We were dealing with some uh, family illness and I had a member of my family um, with a very compromised immune system. So during COVID, we we had them in private online school. And I think it it was challenging for him. And when he started uh, regular school again after not being in school for a year, um, one of the things that helped him adapt is that he's a really creative kid. And he's actually started writing his own stories and drawing his own illustrations. He's eight. Um, and like I said, very inspired by your work and very inspired by Dave Pilkey. And it's one of the things that's really helped him, you know, feel comfortable as a member of a new school and a new class and stuff like that. And I think that's so important for kids because I think that um, sort of that cookie cutter, um, doctor, lawyer archetype, this is what you need to do. You need to go to a, you know, like I grew up not knowing what I wanted to do, but just knowing that after high school, you go to college. That's it. Right. And and I think having some of these things in mind and knowing that creativity is is something that can really, you know, these are creative people that have done really well doing it. And these are your options and this is what you can explore. I think that's really, really right. important.
1: And I think that, you know, the college route definitely works for some people, but not everybody has the means to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to a school to become whatever. And there's nothing wrong with, I think, you know, it's like, oh, get a trade or become a plumber, you know, it's like by all means do what whatever makes you happiest and and let you have a life. But, you know, it's like to tell to show because when I was a kid like going to school, like I don't think it ever dawned on me that I could do the thing that I do right now. Like I I was going to become an architect because I thought like, "Oh, I like to draw and that's the only thing drawing wise that I can do that that I feel that there's a real job." But then I saw the movie Beauty and the Beast, the animated version. And at that point, I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. Like, I think that's a possibility. So when I go to schools, it's like, I like to show the kids that, you know, you can do this. And of course, you know, it's not a guarantee and there's always ups and downs in anything you do, but it's definitely a life worth, worth living and trying and putting yourself out there. And, you know, things are changing so much. Like for people, like, like younger people growing up now, like they can't buy a house. They can't do you know, the certain things that are expected of them. So they're trying to find different ways to make it. And so it's like, hey, if you can create your own stories or do something else that's creative, I think that's a viable option. Definitely. Absolutely.
0: Kind of a two part question. So first of all, what's next? Um, And when I say what's next, I mean, you mentioned that you've got the Agent 9 second book coming out. So we're talking maybe a little bit further out, you know, within the next like year or two years kind of thing. And also, uh, have you ever considered working on more adult-themed graphic novels um, or projects geared towards older readers?
1: So in terms of what's next, there's uh, in terms of like at the end of August is the second Agent 9 book. At the beginning of October is the what is potentially the publisher is saying is the last, last bird and squirrel book comes out, book seven. That comes out October 4th. And then that basically, those are my last two sort of contracted books that I have. And after that, I basically have nothing else sold. So I have no books like locked in with a publisher to do after that. So that's what I'm trying to get rolling right now. Like just this last week, I actually had this idea for a picture book. So I'm writing the story for that, which I'm really excited about. At the end of last year, I ended up writing a graphic novel, which isn't – this is sort of part of your second question. It's not necessarily geared towards adults, but it skews slightly higher than Bird and Squirrel, which is – that's about some actual human kids that, you know, basically have to save their town from a monster. So it's sort of a Stranger Things meets Super 8, I think. And then I also wrote another sort of Bird and Squirrel replacement graphic novel series that I'm hoping to get off the ground. And so – those are sort of things I'm working with, but I don't have anything solidified or locked in. I think this picture book I'm working on will be the next thing that goes out because it's the furthest along. But I have lots of ideas, so I'm hoping to get one of them going soon. Cool. Well, I mean, it all sounds like a lot of
0: uh, cool stuff, and I, I, you know, I hope to see it all uh, work out for you. Um, so I usually like to end my interviews with this question, and I think that you'd probably be able to really shed some light. I think it's an important question. What one piece of advice would you be able to offer to new and aspiring? I usually say writers, but we'll say new and aspiring creatives. Uh,
1: I think it's just you have to put your stuff out there like you got to put yourself out there for one, but not to get discouraged by failure, because I think failure, you have to fail like over and over to sort of like succeed in life. Like if you're afraid to fail and you never try, of course, you're never going to succeed. But you have to just do the work you know you can't i know a lot of people they sort of search for like oh i gotta read this book and it's going to give me all the answers or i'm going to go to this you know book society thing and they're going to tell me how to make this book that's going to answer all my problems but it's like you might get like inspiration from those things but ultimately you just have to do the work you just have to to write something put it out into the world it might be horrible It might get moderately successful, but you have to just take whatever you learn from that and then make something else and make something else and make something else. And I think my goal anyways is like eventually you're going to hit on something that sticks and and makes you happy and hopefully puts food on your table would be nice. You know, so that would be my advice just to put yourself out there and keep trying and trying and trying until something clicks. Definitely. Another thing for me that I've always thought about is is um,
0: to not necessarily give yourself overwhelmingly out there expectations of instant success. Because yeah. I think a lot of people will do the comparison game where they compare themselves yeah. to other people and it, and it brings out that kind of self-saboteur almost instantly. And sure. a lot of times I think that's where things like writer's block come from and stuff like that. So to kind of See is as a kind of a battle within yourself as opposed to doing it because other people are doing it.
1: Right. And I think that's definitely, that's something I also sort of suffer with because there are so many things that are outside of your control. Like you can only, like I can only write my stories and make the books the best that I can, but I have no control over what happens after they get published. And so when they don't, you know, you can easily get discouraged like, oh, my book didn't make the New York Times bestseller list or it's not, you know, selling bazillions of copies. But you really have no control over that stuff and it will just sap your creative energy and, and you know, it'll just kill everything, all your joy in life if you worry about those things. And so all you can really do is just keep making Doing what you do and love the process of making it and, and just put it out there. And then after it's gone, just start working on the next news.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Uh, James, where can people find you if they want to discover more about your work? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at James Burks Art or same on Twitter, James Burks Art, or they can find me on the internet at JamesBurks.com, where they can, that's my website, so they can look at my my portfolio that's on there for my children's book. They can see the other books that I've done. And, of course, they can find my books wherever books are sold. Awesome. Well, James Burks, uh, it's been excellent
0: talking to you. I wish you all the best of success with uh, your current projects and your upcoming projects, and I hope to talk to you again soon.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Take care.
0: This has been Authors in Focus. You can find my satirical fantasy novels on Amazon. Need help finding readers? Connect with me on Facebook in the Fantasy Sci-Fi Focus group or at authorsinfocus at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at fantasy-focus.com and where your favorite podcasts are hosted.